Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. Rumor has it we've got a Friday, 10-12 on the 28th day of July 2023. Bruce Siski Show on KDAL. A lot to get to in the next hour. We'll usher in the weekend. Yeah, with Mr. Craig at 10:59, joining us now, our good friend from KSTP Twin Cities. They're very busy down there. A lot going on this weekend. Chris Long, good morning, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, good times. Training camp, 3M Open, all kinds of stuff. Love it. And I suppose the 3M Open, they had to condense things a bit today because they didn't get their whole first round in yesterday on account of the weather. I actually haven't even looked at what the tee times are doing, but yeah, they had 21 golfers still on the course yesterday. The thing that's cool this year for us, anyways, there are, I think it's seven golfers with some sort of, and we love our local ties. Oh, yeah. I think we've got two former golfers and five Twin Cities natives. That's by far the most we've seen, four of them making their PGA Tour debut. So looks like one kid from right up to here in North Oaks is, is in good shape to make the cut. So there's always somebody local to watch, but uh, never this many, and, and looks like one or two may actually make the cut. Do they do this other places, or is this just a Minnesota thing that whenever oh that person does that person's on point to high school in Minnetonka, we got to cover them. That's that's got to be happening elsewhere, right? You mean in terms of getting just, sponsor exemptions for golf? No, just a, just in general, the interest in an event is is almost a lot of times based on the local ties to that event. It feels that oh. we do that a lot around here. I think on a scale of. One to Minnesota, everybody does it a little bit, but yeah, I mean we're, very, you know, we one of us. We love the yeah. phrase "one of us," and anytime somebody that's a Minnesotan is, is doing something, we want to hear about it. So yeah, I think everywhere does it, but we probably uh, we probably run that a little harder than than a lot of areas might. The other thing that we do a lot around here is when somebody who used to play here comes back and burns us like Kai Kamara did last night against Minnesota United. Uh, there's always that reminder that he used to play for Minnesota United. Now that one is universal. Yeah, no, I remember distinctly the Baltimore Orioles when I was a kid growing up made some really terrible trades and every time we'd be watching a game, my dad would do the joke. He'd say, why can't we get guys like that when it was somebody who had played for them? And I, I still use that one 50 years later. That's pretty good. Uh, Vikings training camp is underway. Uh, impressions, uh, it's a couple days. They haven't practiced in pads yet, uh, but it, it sounds like everyone's saying all the right things early on. Yeah, it's such a strange... It feels like there aren't any significant position battles, and yet there are a ton of position battles. I mean, almost all of the number one slots are filled. The entire offensive line is set. Um, you know, quarterback uh, is set. Running back is set. Tight end is set. But it feels like the number two at every position just about is up for grabs. And the weird thing is, I think you and I talked about this last year, just with the evolution of training camps, you just can't tell much anymore other than who is playing with the ones about who's doing well at camp and who isn't because there's no contact. Even when they put the pads on, they're not really going to do anything. Add on top of the fact that starting last year, the preseason games, we never even saw the starters. So really the only valuable 
uh, I guess, tape or, or visuals we can get during the entire preseason are going to be the joint practices when they have the other teams in town. And it's, you know, 90% live, and you really can see who performs well. So it isn't like it was back when it was in Mankato where you'd see some live drills and you could see guys moving up and down the depth chart and, and flashing at training camp. They're just we just can't see it as much anymore. What is your read on the Daniil Hunter situation? I, I, I've said a couple of different times this week that, you know, the rules being what they are now, he had to report because there's there's no mechanism in place anymore to just forget about somebody getting fined for missing training camp. If you miss training camp, the fine has to be paid. So he was going to show up. But are the Vikings – do you feel like this is a, a situation where he gets a contract extension, or do you think there's still a possibility he plays for somebody else in 2023? <laughs> to answer the question the way you asked it, yes. <laughs> um, I, I'm starting to wonder if they're prioritizing the Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson extensions, which we all think are coming – and are going to be long-term. And those may tell them whether Daniil Hunter is going to be an option beyond this year or not. Um, I mean, you know, the two most important positions in the NFL, at least in terms of certainly somewhat for X's and O's, but certainly in terms of salary cap flexibility, are quarterback and hedge rusher. And the Vikings do not have long-term stability at either of those right now. Um, so I wonder if Jefferson and Hawkinson don't have to fall in place, and that lets them see what sort of salary cap magic they need to pull off to fit Hunter in, or if it's simply just not going to be possible. Um, and it also could be Daniel Hunter or Kirk Cousins, um, even the secondary domino to fall, because – They've been so tight against the salary cap for so long, and Rob Brzezinski is one of the best in the business. He's the Vikings' numbers guy. They may just finally have a lot of kicking of the can down the road coming to roost, and something's got to give. And it might be Hunter this year. It might be Cousins next year. But Hunter is at the facility. The only way we know that, we have not seen him yet. He did. Uh, he, he talked earlier this week, but we haven't seen him out on the field at all for any of the practices, but the players are telling us. He is there. But I wonder if the process isn't going to be Jefferson and Hawkinson, then potentially Hunter, and then potentially a decision on Cousins. But uh, those are some large contracts. Those are some awfully big blocks in the salary cap game of Tetris that the Vikings are trying to play. And I I don't know how they're going to fit them all in. And it's just a matter of of which one comes when. But right now, I I legitimately think 50-50 on Hunter. Earlier in the offseason, I said I think they're definitely going to trade him. But if training camp got here and he was still rostered, um, I think the trade value goes down. Every day he's not in somebody else's camp. So I think it makes it more likely they try to figure out a way to get him in. But I I, I don't know if the math is going to work out. Chris Long, KSTP, you mentioned Kirk Cousins' name. And and I keep looking at this, and and I keep hearing the same things. You know, the Hawkinson and, and Jefferson extensions are coming here. I, am I the only one thinks it's kind of strange that those guys are willing to re-up long-term when they don't know who the quarterback's going to be in 2024 and beyond? Well, for Jefferson, I think it's mainly a money situation. I mean, he's going to be the highest paid receiver, highest paid receiver in the NFL, so take that money. Um, and he may be a guy who can help either uh, 
Actually, I don't know long-term contract situations for other quarterbacks. I don't know who free agent quarterbacks will be next year, two years. Um, Jefferson may be poised as a piece that's going to help you land someone good in free agency or someone that's going to make a potential rookie draft pick look a lot better. And you know, he's a confident player. And as with any receiver, he knows if he signs this deal and after year two he realizes this isn't going to work, he could force his way out. I mean, once Tyreek Hill left uh, Kansas City, we've seen you know, pretty much nobody's a lock anymore in any position, especially receivers. So, you know, he's worth what he's going to get paid. But if, if he feels like he needs to move in two or three years, he'll be able to. And I don't think the Vikings would have any trouble moving. But that's, moving Justin Jefferson is not a conversation any Vikings fan wants to have right now. But if things are a complete dumpster fire in three years, they can deal with it then because his contract writes itself. He's going to be the highest paid receiver in the NFL. As he should be, and, and, and I'm not disputing any of that. I was just curious because you know, I I think about it as is you're you're going to commit long term, and and they you don't know who's throwing you the football. But like you said, if it isn't working out, it, it's not like it's that difficult for Justin Jefferson to walk in there and say, okay, we're done here, we're not doing this anymore. You're going to send me somewhere else. It, it would it would and well, any team any team in the league would take him in two seconds. Well, everybody has said since Casey uh, Mensa got here, his biggest decision of his entire tenure might be what's after Kirk Cousins. And the hard decision he's going to have to make is if there isn't a you know, above average solution, do you then give Kirk Cousins that last pro contract and ride him out until the sun sets on him? Um, I mean, he's looked better and better. This year is going to be interesting because I, I'm, I'm a guy who's kind of middle of the road on Cousins. I, I don't think he's the, you know, I understand the Netflix quarterback show put him in a certain light, yeah. uh, but that doesn't change what you see on the field. But the guy did have a pretty darn good season last year. So this is the first year that he's had the kind of continuity around him, at least in terms of coaching. Um, you lose Adam Thielen, but Justin Jefferson's still there. You lose Dalvin Cook, but Alexander Madison's still there. This is the first year he's going to have stability as a Viking, and if there is going to be a leap even in his, what, 12th, 10th season in the NFL, it, it – it lines up to happen this year. Um, and I don't know if that translates to team success with what's going on in defense, but um, yeah, what, whatever's going to happen next at quarterback will be probably the defining move of Quasi Adolfo Mensa's tenure as a Vikings general manager. Talking to Chris Long, KSTP Television, Twin Cities. You mentioned the defense. Brian Flores takes over the defense. And, you know, like you said, you, you've got those joint practices coming up here in a couple of weeks. And, and that, I would think, is going to give us some answers as to what this defense is going to look like. But ultimately, we all know how this works in the NFL. Cloak and dagger, secrets and all that bit. We're not going to know a whole lot until we get into the season of, of what Brian Flores is able to do to help make this defense better than it was last year, which wouldn't take a whole lot. No, but what we know is that this was a porous, sketchy defense last year, and on paper, they didn't do a lot to revamp it. I mean, you've got probably zero impact draftees. You brought in Byron Murphy from Arizona. He right now is your only cornerback on the entire roster with significant starting experience. You brought in Marcus Davenport. He's going to be very important. He came in from the Saints, but if Hunter is not out there, then he's your only edge rusher with, you know, a lot of experience. So this is a defense that was C, C- minus last year, and they did not do a lot to, to bolster it. So um, that, that, 
everybody says, what's the biggest question in training camp? That's the question. Can Brian Flores do something with this defense to unlock something that just was not there with what appears to be lesser players? Now, you add Lewis Seen. Does he come back and become the first-round draft pick at safety opposite Harrison Smith that everybody thought he would be? Um, a Caleb Evans, if he stays healthy, wins the cornerback job. Does he take a step? So there's, there's certainly some rooms to look at it and say there might be upside, um, but that is a very optimistic view of the defense as a whole. No Dalvin Cook in the running back room. How do you break down this uh, This kind of we, – we know Madison's the one, but how do you break down the race for number two? Um, I think it's probably Ty Chandler. Um, Dwayne McBride's a rookie, so don't know a whole lot about him. Kane Wangwu had some chances last year. I mean, he's so fast that it's just hard to dismiss him at all. But I, I think it's probably Ty Chandler. Um, but what makes the running back room so interesting is your boy from Duluth, DJ Ham. He keeps hanging on. He keeps forcing Vikings offensive coordinators to. He's so gifted and so good at fullback. He's forcing them to use a position that 95% of NFL teams have decided, yeah, we don't need this anymore. We're not going to go in this direction. But there he is. Um, I don't want to use the phrase taking up a roster spot because he has incredible value to the team, obviously. Um, but it does cloud the running back room where you might have that 2A and 2B that some teams have, and, and they've got to account for C.J. Ham. So I think right now it's probably Ty Chan. I don't think there's going to be as much of a drop-off. I respect Alvin Cook for what he was. The guy made four straight Pro Bowls. He's a fantastic running back, but he did take a big step back last year um, in what kind of ironically, I guess, was his most healthy season in several years. But I don't think he was what he was even a year prior, and I don't think there's going to be as much of a drop-off. I've always been a big Alexander Madison fan. I don't know that he has the explosiveness uh, to break the, the, the 60 plus yard touchdown that Dalvin Cook may have had. But Dalvin only really broke one of those last year. So I don't think it's much of a step down from Cook to Madison. For, for Packers fans listening, Alexander Madison is more like A.J. Dillon, whereas Dalvin Cook's more like Aaron Jones. Just to give people, you got one guy that's more of a game breaker, and, and the other guy, he's reliable, but he's not a guy who's going to break off a 70 yard run most days. Yeah, that's perfect. That's a perfect analogy. A uh, couple more topics, Chris, before I let you go. Uh, twins approaching the trade deadline. It, it still feels like they take these, you know, couple steps forward and then they'll sashay back the wrong direction like they did against Seattle. The bullpen had a tough day. Joe Ryan had a tough day, and they lose two out of three to the Mariners. Trade deadline is Tuesday. It, this team is screaming that it needs a right-handed bat. The problem is there aren't a lot of right-handed bats out there. What, what do you make of the deadline with the Twins, who have already said they want to be buyers again if they can? Yeah, I mean, I think they'll add somebody. It feels like almost they have to. I mean, they're not a front office that makes moves just because they have to. But, yeah, I mean, it's just – I think the pitching is fine. There's enough reliability in the bullpen, and there's certainly enough reliability in, in the starting rotation that, look, every now and then somebody's going to spit the bit. You just hope it's not in the first round of the playoffs. Um, I, the problem I have with this team is just I, I've never seen – I mean – strikeouts it's just unbelievable and i understand that's the trend in major league baseball that it's kind of feast or famine and some of the changes have changed brought that back just a little bit that we're seeing stolen bases and we're seeing a little bit of you know hitting for average having value back instead of hitting for power but my gosh this team just strikes out i mean a 10 strikeout day used to be glaring for a major league baseball lineup and now that's almost become the norm for the twins and and i you know 
that's what you have to fix. I mean, Joey Gallo, I don't necessarily want to pick on him, but, I mean, man, he may hit it 440 feet, but odds are three out of four times he's going to strike out. You have to do something there. That's what's going to sink them down the stretch. I'm not worried about the pitching. Um, You know, there were a lot of question marks. Moving Jorge Lopez was an interesting move the other day. Um, Emilio Pagan, I guess to their credit, they kept trotting him out there, and the guy just seemed to be wrong place, wrong time, all the time guy, but he's really put it together and has been very good over the last couple months. I mean, Garrett Jackson's pretty good. Obviously, Jean Duran is, you know, stop what you're doing and watch when he comes in to close. So I'm not worried about anything relating to the pitching. That may be me putting my head in the sand, but I'm way more worried about the fact that these guys are striking out 10, 12 times a game. Uh, finally, on the hockey side, uh, Gophers fans probably in a bit of shock here this morning. The last couple of days have been weird. On Wednesday, the Arizona Coyotes tweeted, Sunny with a chance of 92 today, and it got to 110, so we all knew they weren't referring to the weather forecast in Phoenix, and instead they were referring to number 92, Logan Cooley, who signed his entry-level deal yesterday after saying in May he was going to return to school for his sophomore year. No one's going to cry for Bob Motzko, Chris, because he got a full cover to great prospects. You can pick a couple extra guys to come in and fill spots this season, but this is still a tough time of the offseason to lose a player of Logan Cooley's caliber. I would look at it this way if you're a Gophers fan. As soon as the season ended, everyone was certain that Logan Cooley was leaving to go pro, <laughs> and it was a pleasant surprise and a shock when he said he was going to come back for next winter. Well, you're, you're still there. It was nice to have a month to think about what it would have been like to have Jimmy Snuggerud and Logan Cooley skating together again for another year, but it, you know, it, all signs were he was going to leave, and I, I think that the fact that Matthew Nyes came back last year, that was both a shock and I think the right move for Matthew Nyes, but I didn't think he would stay, and he did, and that sort of greased the skids for everybody thinking that Logan Cooley was going to stick around, but um, yeah, I mean, he's going to adjust to the NHL game very quickly, and I did see one very optimistic uh, Gopher fan on Twitter basically saying, I'm now going to adjust my prediction from Gophers winning the national championship and Logan Cooley wins the Hobie to Gophers win the national championship and Jimmy Snuggerud wins the Hobie. <laughs> um, they are still loaded. I mean, they lose Brock Faber, they lose Logan Cooley. Those are two big losses, but Bob Mosco has done an amazing job. They are still very loaded and still be, will be, without question, one of the favorites to win not just the Big Ten, but to go to the Frozen Four and contend for the national championship. And, of course, the Frozen Four in April is in St. Paul, so that's quite the carrot to dangle in front of those players as they uh, convene here in the month of September. Appreciate you, man. Have a good weekend. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for having me. Take care, Chris Long, KSTP Television, KSTP.com. You want to check out what they're uh, what they got going on down there? 1031. More to come on a Friday. We'll usher in the weekend with Mr. Craig at about 1059. Bruce Siski Show, 610, 103.9 KDAL. Listen on your Echo device. Just say something like this. Alexa, play KDAL radio. Should mention this Peter's last day of Northern News Now. Best wishes to Peter Kivikowskis as he embarks on his next adventure in the old television world. Thank you for your service, sir. More to come, Friday edition. Run down what's happening this weekend. We are busy as always. And we'll usher in the weekend to close things out at 10.59. CBS News up next, 10.36, Bruce Siski Show, KDAL. The Bruce Siski Show. Oh, God. 
Ron, where's my legs? Where are my legs? Y your legs are there. I don't have any legs, Ron. I don't even know how I'm standing up. No. Brick, your legs are fine. The color of your pants just just matches the... Ron, I don't have any legs. The chroma key behind you. <laughs> Relax. Ah! <laughs> On 610 and FM 103.9, KDAO. Ten forty-one on a Friday morning. Next week, Brandon Warren Access Twins Locked On Twins podcast. We'll talk some twins as they are on the road next week in St. Louis after the weekend in Kansas City. Also next week, I believe we have Joe Smith of the Athletic. We'll catch up on the Wild Off season. We'll start looking ahead as well. We're getting close here. Uh, UMD football practice starts on August seventh. I don't know how it's possible. My goodness. But we'll start talking about that as well. Fall sports season is getting close. I know, I know, I know. What are you going to do? All that and more coming up on the radio show next week. So hopefully you can join us every weekday, 10 to 11. Uh, the Twins are in Kansas City this weekend. We touched on the trade deadline with Chris. I, I don't expect a whole lot here, right? I, 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 like, if you look at what's out there on the market – now, there's always a chance of getting creative, right? There's there, and, and I think that there are some teams. Uh, the Athletic Ken Rosenthal had a piece last night I read that uh, referenced Seattle as being a team that that you know maybe they are. You know they're close to being a team that can contend for a spot, right? But. Right now, they're so far on the outside and so many teams that they have to pass that is it realistic for Seattle to be a playoff team? So maybe that's a team that overhauls. It does something a little different. they got a lot of good young pitchers, and teams love that. That, that, that can be a high value on the trade market is those pitchers that uh, that are controllable, as they say, because you, you've, you've got so many years – before free agency. So, a guy like George Kirby, all-star this year for Seattle, might be a guy that maybe you could get creative and, and, and get him for a young hitter that's controllable. Something like that. But I don't see the Twins involved in that type of thing. They've got the starting pitching, I think, right now to win. So I don't think that's going to be something they dive into. But if there's a, if there's a team that's looking to flip a young hitter preferably a right-hander, preferably a maybe a corner outfielder. Even a I think they even take a center fielder to be honest. That could that hit that hits right-handed. Cuz the Twins are just putrid against left-handed pitching. And that's a big issue I, I think for the offense. They've got to find a right-handed bat if they can. To me that's a bigger priority now that they've sort of addressed the bullpen. You're getting Fieldbar back. Stewart's on his way back. It's like getting guys at the deadline when they come off injuries, as long as they're effective, obviously. They trade for Dylan Floro this week. That, you know, Lopez wasn't working out. Now we'll see if Floro does. So you'd like to think you've solved the bullpen and, and you're in good shape with the arms you've got at your disposal once you get the injured guys back. Fieldbar should be back uh, during the St. Louis series next week. And... Stewart, hopefully, too not too much longer after that. 
he's able to make his return. You've got Jax. You've got Duran. Now you've got Floro. Pagan has been largely reliable. I, I think this is workable. But they've got to find a way to hit left-handed pitching better. They they have to. It, it, it's just it's that simple. The guy they could have gotten yesterday was Carlos Santana. Instead, he goes to the Brewers, who also need help hitting left-handed pitching. And Santana is a is the kind of guy who should be able to help them when it comes to hitting left-handed pitching. Now, I know his numbers this year. They're not quite reverse split level where you you know, the right-handed hitter who's hitting right-handed pitching better than left-handed pitching, it's not quite that bad. But his numbers this year are not as pronounced when you look at his splits against left-handed pitching. For his career, Santana against lefties is 275 with a 440 slugging percentage. Against righties, 227 is the average, and 427 is the on, or the slugging. On base, there's a 26-point difference lefties to righties, 375 to 349. This year, his numbers are a little less pronounced, but I think the Brewers are counting on the bigger sample of his career. And this is going to be a timeshare at first base once Rowdy Telez is healthy. That makes all the sense in the world. It's a good move. And he's also, he's not an ace defender at first base, but he's very good at first base. He ranks 10th in the majors and 6th in the National League at first base with two outs above average. He leads the league in defensive runs saved at first base, according to the Fielding Bible. And this goes on to a team, the Brewers, that are already the top defensive team in the National League, the third best in the majors in terms of defensive runs saved behind Toronto and Texas, which is part of why their their, their pitching has been as good as this because their pitching is not that great. But their defense has been tremendous, and that's helped their pitching, which is what you want. And, you know, Brandon Woodruff is expected back. You know, the Brewers are a team that at the deadline could be – it could be interested to see what they try to do. You know, Brandon Woodruff is going to be back at some point in August, probably early August, the way it's trending at this point. His rehab start last night for Class A Wisconsin apparently went pretty well. So he's back. Aaron Ashby could be back at some point in August or September if things continue to trend the way that they are. They're going to get Wade Miley back. He's been throwing bullpen sessions. Hopefully he won't be out too much longer. So that's a team, from a pitching standpoint, they're already going to get stronger, and that's without making a trade. You could always use a little more help in the bullpen if the right guy pops up for the right price. I think the Brewers could pounce on that. Would not shock me at all. I don't see them being involved in anything major. Santana, from a personality standpoint, is going to help the clubhouse. Remember last year they traded Josh Hader before the deadline, and as much as from a baseball standpoint, the timing of that made sense. The reality was, from a clubhouse standpoint, it blew it up because Hader was so popular in the clubhouse that the team did not respond well to him being traded. That happens sometimes. The Brewers didn't do a good job reading the room, as they say, and they paid for it because they fell out of the playoff race after that deal happened. And we're hoping that doesn't happen again this year. If anything, this trade for Santana should help 
uh, in that regard. Mentioned the Cooley signing becoming official yesterday, going back, uh, going to the NHL, the Arizona Coyotes. Got to play in a smaller arena than he did at Mariucci, I'm just saying. Well, but, yeah, it's the NHL, so. Um, I'm not – I can't say I'm shocked. I mean, we, we see every once in a while you see a college player that signs this late in the offseason. It does happen. And as I mentioned with Chris, Bob Motzko, is, the cupboard is not bare. It's not at all. And I know Bob likes his late time right around this time of year, but it's going to have to find a way to fill a couple of spots on the roster. I, it looked like they were already in need of maybe a transfer. So now we'll see, maybe potentially here two holes on this roster. We'll see how they d- decide to handle that in the next few weeks. But the reality is, you know, this is, it's no different than if you lose the guy in April. More often than not, and the transfer portal changes this a little bit, right? It does change the equation because you have the opportunity, potentially at least, to to get a, a veteran player that can make a bigger immediate impact. But the reality is, more often than not in college sports, when you lose a player the caliber of Logan Cooley, whether you lose him in April or you lose him in July, it is the aggregate that has to replace him. You're not going to get one guy to walk in there and score 22 goals and post 60 points in a season. It's just not going to happen. So what they're going to need is what a lot of teams need when they lose a valuable player who signs early or graduates, whatever the case may be. You need a bunch of people to step in and and fill that role and do it well. No reason to think that Bob Motzko can't find that because, again, the cupboard is far from bare in Dinkytown with Logan Cooley going to the Arizona Coyotes. Wrap it up in a moment. Usher in the weekend with Mr. Craig. You know what time it is. 10.50 on a Friday, 610-103.9 KDAL. Dave Ramsey. Pretty easy. Afternoons on KDAL. 10.59. And next week, Brandon Warren, Access Twins. I think Joe Smith of The Athletic will be next week. Get a wild offseason catch-up. Philip Gustafson's arbitration hearing is next week. We'll update that for you as well. And plenty more to do and see. Sound off is next for your Friday. Have a great weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No, yes, no. Well, no, I, I crossed my mind. Visit KDAL610.com to podcast today's show anytime. What'd you say? Listen to shows on demand and download for free. You can also subscribe via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. CBS News is up next. This is your home for the Minnesota Timberwolves. 103.9 W280 FDFM and AM 610 KDAL Duluth Superior.